It's not always the case that both Arsenal and Tottenham head into a North London derby on terrific form, but it'll certainly be true this Sunday. Spurs have a collective smile back on their face and Ange Postacoglu has ensured that life after Harry Kane is running smoothly. Arsenal have the swagger and the grit of title contenders and in midweek they return to the Champions League with a storming win over PSV. It should be a memorable Sunday showdown. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. We're once again joined by Premier League legend and Betfair ambassador Dimitar Berbatov. Berba, as a former Spurs star, you know what it's all about to play in a North London derby. Just give us a flavour of that kind of pressure and excitement. Well, it is a derby and it's uh, in one uh, side is a game as any other. But on the other side, it's, it's uh, a bit more different game because you're playing your rival. You want to beat him. Some of the fans are leaving only for this game. And if you win, that's the season is done. You know, everything is fine. <laughs> you know, I never saw it like this. I saw it that uh, we need to win every game. And if you win a derby and then you lose the next three games in a row, it was the point there, you know. So uh, it is a big game. It's going to be a tense game. At this moment in time, is the perfect moment for both teams to face each other because both teams are going through a great spell. No, especially I'm happy for Spurs. I'm a bit biased, of course, because I used to play for them. So it's a Nothing great wrong moment. With that. For... <laughs> <laughs> it's a great moment for Spurs to be playing Arsenal. And Ange Postecoglou's come in, and we knew the kind of football he played at Celtic. We knew what kind of character he was. Are you surprised at just how quickly he's been able to get Spurs motoring? In a way, yes. Uh, but let's not forget that he has some trophies. Uh, with him, uh, wherever he goes. So it's a good start of the campaign. But let's not forget, Premier League is not a sprint. Premier League is a marathon. You have so many games. You're going to lose games. You're going to drop points. You need to be really clever when and how you're going to do that. But for the moment, Spurs are going up, 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 up. And as I said many times before, just leave them. Leave them in the shallow. Don't pay so much attention. Don't put the spotlight on them. You know, just enjoy what they're doing at the moment because right now they are bringing back that uh, football of excitement for the fans. Like we are losing one new, and then 91st minute we score one one, and then 98 for two one against Sheffield <laughs> United, and everybody is going ballistic on the stadium, and me jumping in front of the TV, and I'm like, oh my god, man, you know. So this That's is what, what probably the fans. Yeah, the fans like that. The fans of Spurs like that. They want to see entertainment games. So at the moment, I think everybody's happy. And I get the sense you might have quite enjoyed playing in this team when you've got James Madison, you've got Son, you've got Kulusevski, you've got threats from absolutely everywhere. And it's a team that always seems to want to attack. Yeah, exactly that point. They want to attack. When, when, when they get the ball, the first thing is play it forward. Obviously, if there's nobody available, then go back or sideways. But most of the time, play the ball forwards, try to make something out of it. And you can see that by the way they play football. 
by the way, they scored a goal with intent, good combination, of course. And as I said, the fans at Spurs, they appreciate that. They appreciate the effort to attack. Even if you don't score, they'll be going crazy. Like, come on, next time, next time. And if you get results like 4-3, 5-3 or something like that, even better for everybody there. Of course, that's not possible most of the time. But as I said, Spurs at the moment are excited to watch. Just on the other side of things, Arsenal, I thought, really dug out a very good win at Everton. I know Everton aren't playing well, but they played like champions in the sense that they kept possession, they were patient, they got their win. And then yeah. PSV completely opened up in the Champions League and blew them away. This feels like a very different Arsenal team to the one 18 months ago. Well, I like Arteta. I like him as a football player. I play against him. I like him as a coach because he he wants his team to play football. Pass, pass, pass. Be patient. Use the space. Wait for the space. Find the space. Give the ball at the right moment. You know, and turn and go forward. When you need to play ugly, they can also play ugly and boring, like the game against Everton where they won one nil. But this is a champion's result. When you win one nil, it means that you were fully concentrated in the back, and then the attack. Do their job. One goal, three points in the back. Thank you very much. So I think they, in a different situation, they can adjust, they can adapt and play the way they need to play to get the job done. In terms of the actual game itself, obviously a big challenge for Tottenham to go there and and perform. What would you like to see from Tottenham in this game? And do you think they've got a good chance of actually coming away from it with a point or maybe even three? Well, at this moment, uh, where Spurs are, I think it's fully uh, possible for them to get to the three points. Uh, I don't want them to change anything, to be honest. Don't overthink it. Don't do stupid things because it's a derby. Just stick to what you're doing so far, you know, and I think they will be fine. And of course, the most important thing, I said it about United, I'll say it about Spurs as well. Two things, concentration and consistency. If Spurs can master those two, they'll have a great season. And just finally on this game, Berber, you were a player who always had great technique and great awareness of what was around you. I know Martin Erdegaard plays in a different position to the one that you did, but he seems to have that already and he's got that leadership. He's quite an extraordinary player, isn't he? It is, and that's why he's the captain. And you can see with his left foot of his how he control the ball first and foremost, how he knows straight away where to pass the ball afterwards, which means that even before the ball comes to him, he already know where he's going to pass it afterwards. This is the sign of a talented football player. This is what the very best midfield player, attacking midfield players are doing, reading the game. And when you read the game, you have good people, good players around you. It's going to be more easy, obviously, for you. But with him, the passing is so accurate. Of course, with the left foot, the shooting is also really great. So he had a great season last last time as well. Hopefully he's going to start in the same thing. He's the main guy for sure who is just pulling the string in, in the middle of the park for Arsenal. Well, now we can look at this game with the rest of our top tipping team, starting with Marco Hare. Fascinating game this between Arsenal and Spurs. From your view, what's the angle here for punters? I want to be with goals um, because I think both teams have the potential to to score and concede, obviously. But um, I'm looking forward to this game, as I normally always are for the North London derbies, but more so because 
feels like the first time in quite a while where both Arsenal and Tottenham arrive at this fixture feeling bullish, feeling quietly confident, feeling like they've got an opportunity to get three points. And obviously the mood around Spurs is, is sky high after what's been a, a fantastic start results-wise, performance-wise. Ange Postacoglu kind of making everyone sort of fall in love with him as a, as a character, not just Spurs fans, but also Premier League supporters too. And and the impression he's made on the league, uh, but also the you know the way in which they won that game against Sheffield United uh, kind of raised the roof as well. So they'll fancy it, even though they have won just once in 30 trips in the league to Arsenal. And I think that's a reason why Arsenal kind of feel always ultra-confident when they invite Tottenham to, to whether it's Highbury or the Emirates, because they do have such a strong record, but they also they are looking pretty consistently strong again this season. Um, they haven't been the swashbuckling team we saw last year, but... They are improving week on week. Uh, the results are certainly there. They remain in the hunt. Um, you know, midweek they, they swatted PSV aside pretty comfortably. They considered that felt chances. Like a really in big that. result that didn't it? Because it's one thing to beat PSV, but to absolutely just leave bits of them lying all over the floor. <laughs> uh, it's pretty good going. Yeah, definitely. You know, as you say, a huge occasion for Arsenal back in the Champions League. Had a, a trappy feeling about it, really, the way in which PSVs play. But they did concede chances. They did allow PSV opportunities, but they were very ruthless when they got into the final third themselves. Uh, and some key players in forward areas, Gabriel Jesus in particular, was was ever so good as well. So, you know, they have got a very strong record in this fixture. Uh, but yeah, goals felt like the obvious solution for me. Uh, Emirates Stadium, as we talk about almost all the time, has just been a goal haven since the start of last season. There's been 22 home Premier League games for Arsenal. 4.05 goals per game across those. If you look at those 22, 20 went over two and a half goals, 16 went over three and a half, and 17 saw both teams scoring. So Arsenal are scoring the majority of them, but they are obviously conceding too. Uh, and in terms of the fixture, we all know it's got a, a history of goals. The trends support that, uh, historic trends and even the most recent trends of the last 10 North London derbies. Seven have gone BTTS, seven have gone over. When Arsenal have hosted this fixture, 11 of the last 13 have seen BTTS. So look, there's no Harry Kane. He is normally a guarantee to score in this game, but um, Spurs have been coping quite well without him. They scored twice or more in all five of their opening games under Ange. They have also conceded twice or more in three in two of their three away days as well. So, you know, you almost uh, Arsenal to score in this game is almost a certainty. Uh, they should score a couple, uh, but I think Spurs can contribute and, and it should be a lively affair, entertaining enough to, to create a, an over two and a half goals and BTTS play at, at 1.8. Steve, you've been so taken in by his avuncular nature. You're calling him Ange already, Mark. I love, love him. I love him. I love him so much. <laughs> um, I remember sort of... Uh, Apologies about the self-indulgence here, but I remember sort of doing research on the World Cup when Australia had qualified and he was the coach. I'm not sure what, which year that was. It feels like about eight, ten years ago, maybe. Um, and I was just already drawn into him. Um, watched a couple of interviews. You've mentioned the one from back in the history oh, when he was coaching Craig the Socceroos. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just a great guy. And um, yeah, every every little bit of clip you see of him on social media, you just think, yeah, he just... Uh, he just knows the right words to say at the right time. He's just a, a great guy. Talking of knowing the right words to say at the right time, the data doctor will see you now. Jake Osgathorpe has the facts and figures we need. Jake, who'd you fancy here ahead of this North London derby? Um, it, Yeah, I, I'm not sure I'm going to, I'm going to take either team from a betting perspective. I just have too many question marks about both. Um, I definitely agree with Mark. The way to get into this from a betting perspective is just to back goals. Um, you know, some of the stats he's read out there are 
like ridiculous in terms of Arsenal at home. Um, I'll just add a couple more. Um, Arsenal have kept us three clean sheets in 18 home games since the World Cup in all competitions, which I think is just bonkers. It shows you that they generally are quite vulnerable when playing at home. Um, and since the start of last season, the bet that Mark's highlighted, BTTS and Overs, which is also my play, has actually landed in 16 of 22 home league games. So it's got wow. a 73% strike rate when playing uh, at the Emirates. And obviously you've got a Spurs team that create plenty, but also concede plenty under Ange Postacoglu. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to apologise to... Um, Gasparini, because it seems like Mark's replaced him with Postacoglu. With Ange, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the shame. whole, I want Gasparini to be my granddad, wasn't it? Well, uh, he's grand- my granddad, and Ange can be my uncle. That's that's fine. There you it? go, see? <laughs> see Je- what's Jeff fixed. Goldblum now? Is he, is he just sources. the only person you don't like? Public enemy number one. <laughs> if, if you're wondering, by the way, what we're talking about with Jeff Goldblum, you should listen to the Saturday show, or watch the Saturday show, then you would know. Uh, Jake, sorry, Carry on. No, that was pretty much it. Um, I, I think if I was to have a lean, it would be towards Arsenal because I think their home process um, <clears throat> since the start of last season has been nothing short of phenomenal. Obviously, the results have been very good as well, but they've averaged 2.3 expected goals for per game and 1.06 expected goals against per game. They are the more assured defensive team of the two. Um, according to the underlying data, I know they've conceded in four of the five league games this season. Now, three of, three of the five, um, the two away games, the only games they haven't conceded. But the underlying data suggests that they are second only to Manchester City when it comes to defensive process. So if I was to have a lean, it would be sticking with the home side. Um, But yeah, goals is absolutely the angle. Now, let me tell you that you can get a free bet when you place a £5 bet builder on Arsenal versus Spurs. Opt-in required. Max free bet varies from £1 to £5 per customer. Minimum combined odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. Chelsea in dire need of a win as they take on Aston Villa. And Jake, it's fair to say things aren't running smoothly for Mauricio Pochettino. And I do keep finding it extraordinary. I know we've talked about this before. But Nicholas Jackson... The kid had half a good season with Villarreal in La Liga. Very, very good over that spell, but such a small sample size. I can completely understand bringing him in as an option, letting him learn the ropes, all that stuff. But to say to him, mate, could you just go and be our main striker for the season? It's just bonkers. It is bonkers, yeah. And it'd be interesting to see if he recovers from the video that's gone viral um, on social this week where someone has quite amusingly, in fairness, taking his shot against Bournemouth where he basically kicks it <laughs> sideways and have slowly incrementally increased the size of the net. So yeah. you get 100% and 125, then 100 I think it's 300% actual Before size it is when it actually scores. Going in. <laughs> yeah, um, so someone's really done him dirty there, but um, it was very amusing. Yeah, it, it's just a bit of a mess, Chelsea, in general. Uh, we, we, you know, I kind of expected at this stage to have more of a feeling that they were heading in the right direction, but... Not getting that at all. I thought that the schedule looks fairly kind for them to start off to suggest that they maybe could get a couple of good results under the belt. And, you know, when they start hitting the stride around January, once they've had a bit more time to bed players in, they might challenge for some form of European qualification. They've only Um, beaten Luton so far, right? That's the only game they've won. It's a bit of a damning indictment. That's the case as well, because, yeah, Luton... I think we'll probably lose quite a lot of matches this season. I think I'm going out on a limb there. I think that's um, fair to say. Yeah. But, you know, that that game, not only does it skew the goal difference, but also the expected goal difference and the underlying data that Chelsea have, have put up. Because um, on paper, they're, they're putting up 2.1 expected goals for, 1.2 expected goals against per game. But as I said, they've had an easy schedule. 
And in, against Luton, they won the XG battle by three full expected goals, which obviously is going to make a, a big difference onto, onto the averages. And the, the other games have been very close. You know, West Ham was 1.7 to 1.6. Uh, the Bournemouth game, 1.3 to 1.4. So, you know, they're very tight contests against teams that, you know, a club like Chelsea in yesteryear, they should be beating those kind of teams. Um, but it's just not happened. And I thought the, you know, the the on Monday Night Football, they put up the table of 2023. Um, and I just found it fascinating to see Where Chelsea. were Chelsea? Where were I guess out of the 20 teams from last year? Ooh, 15th. You not far away. They were 16th. Um wow. They picked up 25 points from 28 games this calendar year. Wow, is that what a billion pounds gets you? It really <laughs> does. Um wow. I think they've 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 have they signed more players than they have accumulated points. I know they've definitely got more players than than, than they yeah, actually have. I think that's a shout. Won. I think that's um, a shout. But, you know, interestingly, Everton, who we, you know, poke fun at quite a lot, they're only two points behind Chelsea and they have two games in hand during the tw- in 2023 table, um, which, yeah, kind of shows you the sorry state of, of where things currently are. Obviously, injuries aren't helping. Pochettino's got a lot of really key, crucial players He's out. Got 16 billion players. That shouldn't be a problem, I, sure. Yeah, but his better players are out. Like Reese James, for example, you know. He, yeah, he's, that, that, that's fair. That's he's fair. out. Uh, Caicedo's a doubt. Lavia, we know he's out as well. Whether he's going to prove to be any good or not, we're not sure, but he's a big money signing. Um, and as you mentioned, the attacking issues are absolutely real. Um, he's got just five goals from 10 expected goals this season. And it's not like a one-off either. If you look at last season, they massively underperformed in front of goal as well. Yeah. And, and like you said, that, that was clearly a position where they needed to make a change and they've taken a big risk on a young forward. And that basically is the, is the plan, isn't it? That's the model is that they've gone out and signed loads of young players with the hope that they'll turn to be pretty good. They've signed them on the long contracts and hoping that and at some point... there's something there. There is something there. there is. I mean, look, when Nkunku comes back, yeah, that's going to make a big difference. Yeah. But I, I don't believe that they necessarily were hanging their hat on him as a centre-forward anyway. So the fact that they've spent all of this money and none of it was on a striker, I, I just find baffling. Yeah, and, and you know, they had Lukaku at the club, and for all you know, his haters, he is a decent striker. His his underlying numbers have been very solid for a long period of time. And yeah, he has a couple of bad finishing spells, but you know, when it gets when it goes right, you see what he does at what he did at West Brom when he was on loan there. You see what he'd done at, at Everton. His proven goal scorer, his record for Belgium is ridiculous. Yeah. The, the the problem is, for whatever reason, and we know that his behaviour has upset some people at the club and all that stuff. My suspicion is if Pochettino had been given the green light to bring him back into the squad and integrate him, he would have used him because it would have been brain dead not to have used him. But I think there has been some kind of edict somewhere along the line that, no, we're getting him out. So strange situation. Yeah, it's just, it's probably he's too old, isn't he? They like playing with the, the younger twenty one to twenty four year olds yes. now. Yeah, uh, they have. I think they've got the youngest average age of a squad starting eleven ever in the Premier League or something daft like that. The other week, um, not with Thiago Silva in there though. He he puts it up a little bit. It wasn't for him. I mean, <laughs> he looks like some kind of you know daycare manager, doesn't he? <laughs> Absolutely bizarre. He really is. Yeah, um, but yeah, and you know this this game looks like. Um, this is this is going to be probably their second toughest game of the season so far. Obviously, played uh, Liverpool at home, which you know we were all fa- quite fancy Liverpool. It was a decent display by Chelsea, but that was when they were at kind of not quite at full strength, but they had a lot more of their players there before injuries. 
Um, but yeah, Villa, they look the real deal. Um, and yeah, in that 2023 table that I mentioned, Villa actually sit fourth with 52 points from 27 games, just behind Liverpool on goal difference. So um, actually ahead of Brighton. So all the plaudits we give Brighton. 2023, Villa have actually picked up more points. Um, and yeah, they, you know, they, they, they've been hammered by Newcastle and Liverpool in away matches. So that is a slight concern. But Chelsea are nowhere near that level of opposition. Like nowhere near at all. Um, for the key point that they can't score goals, they haven't got the attacking capabilities of those other two, the attacking quality yet. We've not seen it on a sustained period of time to suggest that they can cause damage to Villa. Um, and, you know, th- this is, people might look at Villa and Thursday night and suggest they might roast, rotate and, you know, might be a little bit uh, tired. But this is the first of their Thursday night games. If you're telling me that players are going to be tired from a Thursday to Sunday it at this stage this of the stage. season... Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I, I definitely wouldn't be using that as an argument. Uh, maybe in January or February, but not at all. And and yeah, I'm shocked to see Villa plus a half a goal on the Asian handicap at even money. I mean, that is way too big. The fact that Chelsea are odds on, I think, is bonkers. Like that, the, the you know that a neutral venue. Like I would probably say Villa at this moment in time are a better team than Chelsea. So the fact that you know we're getting Chelsea odds on is just not right. So it's just basically just opposing Chelsea this game, and I feel the best way to do that is taking Villa, basically on a double chance. Yeah, Mark, this is wild, isn't it? This market because Chelsea have shown us nothing really over the past year, as as Jake has said, to justify that kind of price against Villa, have they? No, uh, I've got the same bet and a lot of the same reasons down here as well to to be pro Aston Villa in this match. Um, Chelsea, I know there's some people who are looking for sort of uh, positive light, you know, from the from the first few matches. And, and there are some. Um, they have looked quite raw, but they've looked dangerous at moments. As Jake mentioned, the the XG looks looks decent, but it has to be balanced out by the, the soft schedule. They've already played Luton, Forest, Bournemouth. You can even say West Ham are a bottom half team, maybe not so this season, but three definite bottom half teams there. And um what has really struck me is is not just the the XG failings, but the lack of composure with the eye test when you watch them play in the final third. Um, yeah. They create moments of of opportunity, but the poor execution, the wrong decision, whatever it is, it just all falls down. It's so frustrating, even as a neutral, even as a QPR fan watching yeah, I was going to say, actually, <laughs> you must be delighted. <laughs> I'm even frustrated watching them. Um, it's it's clearly nice to see Raheem Sterling sort of finding some of his best form, but he's he's out on a, on his own at the minute. And you know, Jackson's finishing is, er, is erratic. Uh, Mudrick has not been the player we thought he could be or should be, um, which is a huge disappointment. And I'm not, I'm not you know, worried to admit that I looked at the, the team sheet last weekend looked at the bench i didn't know half a dozen of the players on chelsea's agreed. bench agreed um, and they're obviously good footballers and they're obviously like academy products or whatever but I, I did not know who two of them were yeah well i'll compare it with aston villa's bench against crystal palace where you had leon bailey yuri tielemans uh jean duran all coming off the bench you had den donker alex moreno callum chambers Clement Longley and Robin Olsen also on the bench. You know, it's chalk and cheese, really, with the options that the both teams have at their disposal at the minute. Jake talked about the 2023 league table of the Premier League. Well, actually, Chelsea managed the joint fewest Premier League wins this calendar year, just five. They also averaged the lowest goals per game output in 2023, just 0.86. That's staggering. Uh, at Stamford Bridge, they've won twice in 13 home league games. They came against Luton, relegation favourites, and Leeds, who were relegated last season. So 
even if they have that clear week, um, I'm not having them odds on in this particular match. Same concerns about Villa. Um, you know, away performances haven't been fantastic, but I'm just backing a team who you can almost rely on are more consistent, more composed. Um, there's more togetherness about Villa and Unai Emery. You just know what you're going to get, really. And if he can solve that high line, uh, which has been a massive bone of contention, I think, for Villa supporters, especially away from home where they've been ripped to shreds by Liverpool and Newcastle. I know they've had defensive injury problems at centre-half, but if he can try and find the right balance there, I can see them giving Chelsea a really awkward afternoon on Sunday. So, yeah, Villa plus half a goal. Jake, let's take it to Anfield. Liverpool against West Ham. Liverpool made a really strong start to the season results-wise. Had to come from behind to win three of those games. West Ham, I mean, we don't know what either of these teams will have done in the Europa League because we're we're recording before those games happen. But West Ham have been quite impressed with as well, particularly James Ward-Prowse, who we know is a brilliant footballer anyway, but he's just slotted in perfectly. Yeah, there's a lot to like about West Ham. Um, but again, like they on on paper, they they've had a fairly tough start. But I think the win at Brighton, I'm <clears throat> not playing it down or anything, but I think it's a good matchup for them in terms of tactically. They're basically just allowed to sit deep and counter attack, which is what they want to yeah. do. Um Manchester City handled them pretty well, I thought, in the second half. Um, and obviously the, they beat Chelsea, but we've just discussed Chelsea's issues. So I'm not ready to get too carried away. Um, I do think that they'll get on the score sheet at Anfield. They've shown me enough in attack. They've definitely taken a step forward in attack, which seems weird to say, given the fact that they've kind of not really changed anything in terms of their attacking like players just yet. I know Kudus is coming to the club, but he hasn't really uh, featured too prominently just yet. But they've definitely looked more threatening going forward. Um, obviously, even more of a threat from set-piece with James Ward-Prowse. Uh, but I do think Liverpool... I picked them at the start of the season to potentially challenge for the title, and I'm not—I've not seen anything to kind of dissuade me yet. The the result um, or the turnaround at Wolves, I thought was was really impressive. They were poor in the first half, but you know, I don't think it's a surprise that a lot of the teams, the big teams anyway, were losing at halftime or were behind because of all the players that had been away on international duty here, yeah. there, and everywhere. You know, you got Manchester City were losing. Spurs obviously needed a late comeback. Liverpool came from behind. Um, so yeah, I don't think that was a massive surprise and to see them kind of bounce back, dominate the second half, create an abundance of chances and win comfortably was a huge plus for me. Um, yeah, that we've touched on it before here that Liverpool's home record is just ridiculous. Like it's absolutely bonkers. So since 2017, so six seasons or six seasons and a couple of games now, they've won 87 of 116, lost just seven times. Six of those defeats came consecutively during the COVID season. So yes. they don't they don't lose at home. You know, generally they they have a ridiculously high win percentage. Um, but 12 of their last 23 league wins since the start of last season have seen both teams to score. So that's a 52% strike rate on Liverpool winning and both teams to score uh, at home. And that's the bet for me. At uh, 2.5, I'm going to be back in Liverpool to win and both teams to score. Um, the XG averages, they're averaging 2.5 XG when playing at home, which is phenomenal. 1.15 against. I know Van Dijk's back after his suspension, but I just think West Ham, the way in which they're creating, they're hitting nearly 1.7 XG themselves. I think they'll be able to get on the score sheet and, and make life a little bit difficult for Liverpool. But I think Liverpool will, will have enough. And if they needed any extra motivation, have you heard what Michael Antonio has been saying on his podcast? Yes, that West Ham are going to finish above Liverpool. 
Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what he's basing that on. <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, he just kind of said, I'm going to put it out on a limb that I think will finish above Liverpool. I was like, right, okay. He doesn't rate them. He thought they were poor in the in the first half against Wolves. But as I've mentioned, there's probably a reason for that. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a little bit of extra motivation there, potentially. And obviously, we can't quantify that in data or anything like that or pricing. But you Expected know, you, beef. Yeah, 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 you can imagine that Van Dijk and Antonio probably might have a little little bit of a coming together. And, um, yeah, if they, if they needed any more motivation to win a game, the fact that West Ham, who finished 14th last season, one of their players has said that they're going to finish above Liverpool... Um, a title contender, that's that, that'll do it for me. That pushed me over the edge with the bet. Now, no doubt, injury time goals, great source of drama in football. We know that, but they can make you want to throw the phone or the tablet or the TV through the window uh, if they ruin your bet. So we've introduced something here at Betfair called 90-Minute Payout. Now, when you bet on the results of a match, you can still win, even if there is injury time drama. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus BeGambleAware.org. Finally, Mark O'Hare whiskers away to Liga. Why don't you? Sure. Um, Sunday afternoon, Montpellier take on Rennes. Uh, quite hopeful we'll have a, an entertaining game in this one. Uh, France has been quite good fun to follow this season as it was last year. There's quite a few progressive coaches in the league right now who are looking to play the the more modern uh, attack-minded football, Montpellier and Rennes being two of those. Uh, between them, they've played 10 times in Ligue 1 this season and seven of those games have gone over three and a half goals and eight of those 10 games have seen both teams scoring. So expecting it to be lively, they are pretty free-flowing sides, these two. Um, quite often attacking with, with kind of reckless abandon, really leaving themselves open at the back. And uh, yeah, over two and a half goals in this game is, is 1.8. So um yeah, Montpellier should be slightly aided by by Rennes' involvement in the Europa, Europa, yeah, is it Europa League or Conference League. I'm not even sure now. Uh, they're involved in Europe anyway. Um, and they're obviously having to go away to Montpellier, uh, who have been pretty strong at home uh, since uh, Mikel de Zakarian returned to the fold last season. Um, they have invested heavily, though, Rennes, in the summer. Uh, Martin Terrier is due back from injury as well, which is a, a huge plus. But they bought uh, Ludovic Blas from Nantes and Enzo Lefi from Lorient, two of the sort of more creative, inventive players um, in the division last year from, from sort of lower league clubs. Um, so I've got no qualms with them going forward. It's defensively, they can be atrocious at times, especially away from home. Uh, did manage a nil-nil with Brest in their most recent away day, but that's very much against the grain. Uh, they've played 21 away days since the start of last season, 15 of those. I've seen both teams scoring. They've kept five clean sheets in that sample, but have scored in 18. And they're playing a Montpellier side under Zakarian. We've talked about him almost season on season, really, when he's yeah. been involved. He is uh, forward-thinking, shall we say. Um, he's seen 21 games since he returned. 67% of those have gone over. If you look at the 10 games in Montpellier, seven have gone over. Seven have seen BTTS last season. Eight of Montpellier's 10 against the top half saw BTTS as well. Mm-hmm. We can get over two and a half goals of four to five, 1.8. Uh, I think that's too big considering the style and ability on both teams. And for the completists among you, Ren are in the Europa League this season. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of good preview content on our website, betting.betfair.com. And remember, you can see all of our shows on Betfair's new YouTube channel, which is a non-racing channel. So make sure you like and subscribe from Berber, from Jake, from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now.